0: We've had a great week, Now um, I was going to start by telling something funny that happened to me this week, but given what's happened in Barcelona as we're recording, yeah, um, we, we opted not to do that, so we have got a few listeners, quite a few listeners in Spain, actually. Um, yeah, all so, our thoughts go with you, you, yeah. you know, so,
1: people out there. You know,
0: family, friends, anyone affected, uh, you know, these are shit yeah. times, so, you know, we're thinking of you. But um, we just wanted to tell you before we get into today's show, which is poltergeist, and in that we, you know, make sure you look forward to the animal poltergeist towards the end, which is yeah. an intriguing story. Yeah,
1: it's quite uh, intriguing that one. Yeah, right?
0: we've got grave friars, which some of you might know from the grave friars Bobby story. Uh, the the cemetery itself is haunted. Yeah, which it's very. Do.
1: It is uh, claimed to be one of the most haunted cemeteries in the world. Mm,
0: so we've got that coming up. Yeah. Um just a quick before we get into the paranormal news just wanted to say the t-shirt competition is still on yep uh so you know just want details for that just go to the website uh we just wanted to tell you what's coming up in the next few weeks uh, uh yeah, obviously you, we've got
1: Scott Carpenter. and brilliant. Uh, he's talking about uh, big, big man, Foot. bigfoot dogman yeah and, uh, so, and we're going to get him back on to talk about all yeah. the stuff as well we had to we had to bring him back on he's just yeah. brilliant and then we've got um Claire Broad and Uh, She is a uh, sorry, yeah. uh, She's a psychic medium.
0: Yep, and uh, that was quite interesting chat, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um,
1: And then we've got uh, Phil Wyman. Phil Wyman, yeah, Yeah. of uh, mostly known on the most haunted team. Yep, and he does his own ghost tours now. Yeah, another you know great
0: chat coming up. So you got that to look forward to. So right, we'll give you the paranormal news. Welcome to another installment of the Paranormal News, broadcasting to you from places unknown, bringing you the top three paranormal headlines of the week. 5, 4,
1: 3, 2, 1.
0: 3... From the sun, eerie video footage appears to show the moment a child's rocking horse moves on its own before flying off a shelf as a ghostly voice sings a nursery rhyme. The security camera filmed the spooky goings-on after an antique shop closed for the night in Barnsley, South Yorks. Owner Daniel Parker, 45, found the 1960s toy on the floor and rewound the CCTV footage to see what had happened. He was freaked out when he saw... What he reckons as the ghost of children must have been riding the £100 horse in his shop. Daniel said, It starts slowly rocking, just stopping and starting, then flips over as if something was getting off the toy. The thing is, I've tried to reenact the movement and tried moving the toy backwards and forwards in a way that it does on the film, and it's just impossible to recreate. Two...
1: Right, this is from the Daily Star. Chilling video of a real ghost captured on Most Haunted after 15 years of TV. It is claimed the ghost hunting show has finally captured a spook on camera after 15 years. Chilling footage from the latest episode of Most Haunted shows the ghostly figure lurking in a derelict stable block. It follows 19 series of constantly searching the UK for any sign of paranormal activity. Stunned crew members said they had never seen anything like this before. And the show's ghoul experts admitted they really don't have any explanation. Presenters of It Fielding said she wept after seeing the spirit. The emotional star claimed they had recorded groundbreaking footage. The spooky shape was caught on camera in 17th century Wentworth Woodward's, Woodward's house in Wotherham, South Yorkshire. Camera operator... Stuart Torville is showing, hearing a footstep in the corridor. He's turned to see what looks like the ghostly figure of a large man lurking in an archway. Stuart and, and director Carl Beatty, who is a vet's husband, chased it down the corridor, but it disappears.
0: One From the Metro. Not paranormal, but very strange. Found posters are a great idea. They've re- reunited countless people with missing pets, bags, wallets over the years. Unfortunately, one has sprung up in Skegness that surely belongs in a horror movie. Yay. Okay, so this Lois spotted the false teeth and taped them to a tree with a note reading, <laughs> Have you lost your teeth? He says, We do not want to belittle this kind gesture. The person clearly wants to reunite the owner with their missing false teeth. Uh, but this looks like something a little creepy about dentures when they are missing a few teeth and the blunt message that came with it. So that's the paranormal news then. Obviously the the videos, the most noted video and the,
1: um, what was the fucking one? Rocking Horse one.
0: The Rocking Horse Yep. is on the paranormal, paranormal hangout if you want yep. to check those videos out. The one about the teeth, it's not necessarily paranormal but it is it is freaky. Can you yeah. imagine just walking down a street and seeing some teeth taped to a lamppost uh, oh, I mean, or, I mean. yeah, or a tree. I mean, so, if, if, uh, if
1: there was your teeth, would you take them back anyway? You know. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, um, I mean, they can be quite expensive, can't they? But anyway, yeah, that, yeah, that, that picture yeah. will be on, be on their hangout. And that's that. Right, so... Poltergeist nice. then. Poltergeist stories for us. Um, shall I start with this one? Yeah, you start first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you start first, Okay, so I've got this one. It's called... The Fortin Heath poltergeist ordeal. Now there was a case in and Heath uh, in 1938, which was investigated by a doctor Nando Furore, who was like a parapsychologist and that. But he concluded that that one was basically a case of um, schizophrenia, yeah, uh, well, that kind
1: of shit. So, well, in them days, it, I think it was a...
0: yeah. But there was quite a lot going on in that case. There was apports, yeah. uh, you know. Um, stuff being moved around but he, he said it was all due to this woman this Miss Forbes who lived there she basically brought her herself so this one's not that one this is the one that happened in August of 1970 it all starts one night in late August in 1970 and this happens in South London district of Heath, which is in Croydon okay and anybody that lives in Croydon sure will do. probably tell you how, how spooky it is yeah
1: I've been, I've been to Croydon a few times
0: but, um, actually, Croydon's got a pretty paranormal past. But, um, yeah, it all starts out of the blue, right? So the family, just go to bed as normal. you know, Nothing, nothing, Ooh. absolutely nothing out of the ordinary. And then all of a sudden, they woke up in the middle of the night by a blaring bad- bedside radio that has somehow turned itself onto a foreign language station. Um, so this in a case of, you know, somebody's just... Well, somebody could have knocked the radio on, I guess. But the the problem is, is that it's on this foreign language station, right. which no one would attune to okay. because they can't even understand it. And in fact, the the family said they weren't even, you know, they didn't even know how to get that station. Never heard it before. So that was that's the beginning of it. So, and this is the way Poltergeist stuff normally happens in real life: is that you'll get just this one odd event. Yeah, he starts it starts with yeah. a little bits and, and bobs, then and then bit, it, builds, and it builds, and it builds, and it builds, and then it goes to a crescendo. Then yeah. it just just dissipates normally yeah. that's how it goes so this is this is what this happened so this is a first thing that happens radio comes on in the middle of the night onto this foreign language station and this starts the ordeal which lasts nearly 4 years okay
1: oh, so it was one pissed off podcast absolutely okay
0: but in that same bedroom there was a particular lampshade which repeatedly fell on the floor you know, so they'd, they'd set it back up on the bedside and it'd just fall off and right. put it again it just fall off. It uh, never, never seemed to fall the same way. It'd always fall different ways, but it kept falling off. But there'd be other objects on the bedside table, you know, like uh, pictures and stuff and f- uh, flowers. They would be fine. So it's not a case like someone's just banging on the floor or vibration. Mm.
1: So just uh, going for one, obje- one object. One object, just to make its presence known. Yes, yeah once it
0: happens, you can say, "All right, and that's coinc- you know, that's just yeah. you know, it just fell off it's twice." You can say, "Oh, that's a bit of a coincidence." Mm, Three times, times, it's really making yeah. its presence known. Um, so that's a, that's a first sort of inkling that they knew something was really going wrong. Yeah, but then it, the following uh, year, Christmas time, this is 1972, the husband jumps up to give a toast and you know say "Merry Christmas to everybody," and an object flies at him across the room, and the people that were there said it was hurled, you know, it wasn't just, you know, tossed, it was really thrown at him with some viciousness, hit him on the head, right in the middle of his forehead, which knocked him back into an armchair, and as he laid there, trying to come to his senses, and everybody was focused on him, the Christmas tree lifts up in the air, and starts shaking violently, Um, so obviously this. Entity didn't didn't like enjoy. Christmas. Yeah, but it seemed to Humbug. it seemed to have a really. And I don't know if this is just because it's a poltergeist and they draw on energy, but it really didn't like a, a gathering of people.
1: Okay. And yeah. happy happy well, moments, you know. yeah
0: So come the new year, things really start to pick up momentum. So you get footsteps heard in the bedroom. Yep. You get this um, sound of uh, furniture being knocked over. And it was really distinctive. The people, you know, the family would all be there and they'd hear it crash and they'd go upstairs and open a bedroom door and nothing could be out of place. Come back downstairs, watching telly, and then again, another crash. And Anyway, this... this, And, you know, I've heard this. I've heard this in my own house where I've heard drawers rattle. You know, Mm. backwards, like someone's got a drawer, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And I think, what the fuck's that? Go upstairs, open a bedroom door, and obviously nothing there. And I've gone over... um, I've actually done it myself and shouted down to people downstairs. Does this? Does it sound like this? And it exactly that. Yeah. And you, know, so, you know what yeah, I mean. But, yeah. but anyway, so they had this. They had footsteps, uh, you know, backwards and forwards on the landing and in, in the bedrooms. That was on nighttime, keeping them uh, on the toes, basically. And then the the son actually saw the ghost. Uh, he woke up to find an what he said was an old fashioned man, uh fashion dressed man, staring at him threateningly. He really felt aggression Ooh. from this guy, and he actually said that he was wearing like um, what you'd expect an old-fashioned guy to wear, you know, like a frilly shirt with a cravat.
1: So we're talking um, maybe 1900s. I would say, it's it's 90, sort of, like, uh,
0: maybe, maybe even yeah. a bit earlier, a bit I mean, earlier. Yeah. 1850s. But he, but he had the um, yeah, the, hats he had the hat on. yeah, the hack. You know, like um, you know, like where you see a Quaker, you know, like the the oats box. Oh yeah, be, it, sort yeah. Of that, his, description, his description is that sort of guy. Um, but like say things were picking up and one night and this is the ghost really seemed to have a propensity to get involved when there was a crowd it really didn't like people being happy for whatever reason and every time they try and host a dinner party for say they they hosted this dinner party and there was a loud knock at the front door and they thought oh maybe it's another guest go to the front door open the door nobody there go back to the dining room knock on the door again yeah go Mm. back to the door nobody there so obviously they're all stood in the dining room to so knock on the door again. So this time they said, right, well, we know, this is getting a bit weird now and I'm not going to the door again. So the, the living room door rattles then bangs. So it's come from the front room to the living room door So yes. it won't get their attention. So
1: that's, that's basically what it wants. It wants attention. Absolutely, because yeah. at
0: that moment the door flung open and all the lights in the house went off. <laughs> you
1: know? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And then back on yeah. again. So
0: the family at this point get a little bit worried. And one of the the big things that was really um, worrying them is that they kept seeing the ghost. Now they, for you know, years have gone by where they never uh, saw him, and then they they'd be watching telly on an evening, and he's, a, he's this Quaker man's face had appeared in the TV. Um, so they get in contact with a local church, and they send the priest round to bless bless their own. Um, so they get in contact with the local church. And uh, they send their priest round to bless the house. You know, the usual thing What happens in these yeah, cases. kind of blessings, isn't it? But sadly, in this case, and again, this happens in 50%, I'd say 50% of all Polk guys' cases, if you get a priest round to bless your own, it's either going to stop it, or it's going to make things ten if, times yeah, worse. Well, it usually does. And form. in this case, it, it was it one work. that made it, it worse. worse. Yeah. 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 So, obviously, straight away, he comes round, he blesses you. the house, and... Objects that flying around the room, uh, at the priest, at the people, and the other thing. The uh, loud noises. Uh, they even heard voices at one stage, telling them to um, to leave. I want you to yeah. basically said, I want you know, I want rid of you. I want you out of here. That kind of thing. So they really got a bit more disturbed. Now you know this was meant to cure the problem, and it's just made it yeah. worse. So the priest says, you know, well, I,
1: you I'm know, off. Yeah, I've done my bit.
0: Yeah. You yeah. Know. yeah. So he's gone uh, and then you say over the next few days you've got pieces of furniture being moved you've got
1: So it's getting more violent Absolutely now, right? you're crashing yeah. to the floor okay. like
0: you know all that um, So the next avenue to go f- to now is uh, a medium mm. okay so yep. they get in contact with a medium who con- comes around and does a bit of a consultation with their family and um this medium said, you know, you shouldn't have you shouldn't have got the priest round. Mm. You should have come to me first, because yeah. obviously the the priest can't help you here. You need you really need my help Um so this medium says you're being haunted by a farmer by the name of Chatterton. Okay. And he considers your family as trespassers on his property because he used to live in where his house, house stands right. now. Okay. Okay, in this particular part of Croydon was really destroyed heavily in the the wars, mm. uh, World War Two particularly. So a lot of it's been rebuilt in the 1950s onwards. Yeah. So you know there was a lot of land and a lot of uh, stuff destroyed. So obviously the farm probably went during those times. But yeah, it, this this uh, medium says it you know, really feels you you know you trespassing, uh, and apparently was an investigation that led was led uh, by in the newspaper that got involved. And they found out that there was a farm on that land, and it was owned by a guy called Chatterton. Mm. Mr. and Mrs. Chatterton, to be a fact. Um, and this is really where Mrs. Chatterton gets involved, because she... I mean, I should point out that, that when the paper did that, uh, it did conclude that they, it was in the mid-18th century, this farm. So it ties in what the boy was saying about the description oh. yeah. of the, um, oh, name of the ghost. So, yeah, so the the, the Lady of the house, she kept feeling a presence on the stairs. Um, she'd be walking up the stairs, you know, to, to take someone upstairs or go to bed, and she'd really feel like there was someone behind her. And on occasion, she said she, she spun round quickly and caught a glimpse of her, an old lady following so, up the stairs. Well, okay, so we've and, got both of them, haven't we? Yeah, and this turned out to be the... Chatterton's wife, right? Okay, so she gets a description of her. She says she was an elderly lady, grey haired, wearing a pinafore, uh, hair tied back in a bun. So it's right. exa- yeah, yeah. exactly what you'd expect from an 18th century yeah. description, miles. okay? And then she said, as soon as I looked at her, she disappeared back into the shadows. But she felt uneasy. You know, she's got that feeling that this wasn't a, you know, a friendly ghost mm. type thing. Um, and again, you know, they get the. Guy keeps showing up in the TV even more now. Um, so things aren't getting better. They've had the priest in, they've had a medium in, and it's just getting worse. Now they're seeing the ghost like full body apparitions rather yeah. than, you know, before they were seeing him in the TV, which is scary enough when you watch Yeah, watching, of course it is. Yeah,
1: absolutely. When you're watching
0: Telly, and this bloke pops up wearing a uh, black jacket with a wide pointed lapels, high neck shirt, and black cravat, is the description. So, you know, that's bad so eventually they say look you know enough's enough been here nearly four years now with this going on and the family decide to get out of there move move yeah. um they move and they said they didn't have any problems in
1: the next house that they had so it was housed in in, it's actually housed in a house but well, well, problem, that kind of location
0: yeah but the thing with that is that the next family that moved in said there was no problems they didn't have any problems now, obviously, they haven't been there very long, Ooh. so it might take a while for it to build up, like it did for their case. You yeah, know, it took four years before they started seeing him. Three years, so um, so it might be that, or it might be the family itself, where the energy it was feeding them. Whether there's different types of people, because you find some people are more receptive to ghosts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah, and some people less so. You know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe it was just that family's genetics or whatever you want to call it that was you know
1: propelling this situation mm. or it could be possibly that they them two possibly could have been moved on you know i mean, yeah, all that possible when,
0: when their family moved out maybe they thought they'd done the they'd, they'd done yeah. what they
1: needed to do yeah. get
0: rid of these people off their land get off my land yeah, they, yeah. They,
1: so unless they're uh, hiding somewhere else you know yeah, yeah. people you know might be in a basement down there well what was the basement something like that? you just don't know
0: But that's yeah. that but what I will say on that is I tried to dig out names, um, stuff like that, on that, and I really struggled. So I, I can't hundred percent say that's a that's one hundred percent real case.
1: Yeah, but if you um, look at that that case, it's one of the thousands that. Oh you know, yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's a basic, typical, typical yeah, Potter yeah. guy story, isn't it? Yeah, so, you know, an account. So it's so, you know, it's
0: good for that. Thing is, right? Should we um, move on to the Greyfriars?
1: This is fantastic, mate.
0: So I suppose before we get into the the Greyfriars itself, most people will be familiar with Greyfriars because of Greyfriars Bobby. Yeah. Um, And for those who don't know, essentially what Greyfriars Bobby was is a Sky Terrier uh, who became known in the 19th century of Edinburgh supposedly for spending 14 years guarding the grave of its owner until it died himself on the 14th of January, 1872. Okay, so, essentially, the story goes that Bobby, the dog, belonged to a guy called John Gray, who worked for Edinburgh City Police as a night watchman. When John Gray died, he was buried in Greyfriars Kirkyard, it's the graveyard surrounding Greyfriars Kirk or church. Yep, same thing. In the old town of Edinburgh. Bobby then became known locally, spending the rest of his life sitting on his master's grave. Um. In 1867, the Lord Provost of Edinburgh, Sir William Chambers, who was the director of the Scottish Society of Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, paid for Bobby's licence and gave him a collar, which is now in the Edinburgh Museum. Uh, It says, Bobby is said to have sat there for 14 years and died in 1872. He was buried just inside the gates of the Greyfriars Kirkyard, not far from his master's grave which is nice yep uh, a year later an English philanthropist Lady Brunette Brubet Cotus I think was charmed enough by the story she had a drinking fountain topped with Bobby statue uh, commissioned by the sculptor William Brodie erected at the junction of George IV Bridge and Candlemaker Row opposite the churchyard uh, and that's still there to this day so people can go and look at that so essentially that's the story Greyfriars Bobby most people will have heard of it a dog that basically sat on his master's grave um, and would not leave it. But there is actually a plaque there where it says this is where they used to feed Bobby. So mm. people used to bring the scraps and have food to feed this poor dog who just you know would refu- just refuse. Just grief, grief struck him. You know, absolutely. So,
1: yeah. Fourteen years—a long time. Yeah.
0: yeah. So that I mean that's the most common story with the graveyard. But
1: yeah. then, but it is said to be haunted as well. So. Well, apparently, it's the most haunted graveyard in the world. Well, quite possibly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah, this one is. Um, body snatchers, violent ghosts, a loyal dog, which you've just uh, mentioned, Lee. Um, and Harry Potter characters seem, might seem like strange bedfellows. But in Scotland's uh, gorgeous Gothic capital city of Edinburgh, the four made to make up the ghostly lore surrounding one of the world's most haunted graveyards. In the city's historic centre, perched on a hill overlooking the new town built in the 1700s, this one. Greyfriars Kirkyard is a seemingly idyllic cemetery dating back to the 1560s. But to this day, it has enough strange goings on to interact a steady stream of ghost hunters, um, fans, and television producers and writers from all over the world. Right, apparently, well, I'll go into a bit more about this Mackenzie, you know, uh, soon. But haunting a cemetery is George Mackenzie. He's called the Mackenzie Poltergeist, who's said to be one of the most aggressive and active paranormal figures around. He's known during his lifetime as a ruthless persecutor of the Scottish Covenanters, a Presbyterian movement in the 17th century. Um, Mackenzie's spirit, according to legend, was released in 1999. When a homeless man looking for a spot to sleep, what you call in the mausoleum? I'll <laughs> do you keep up. It do get bad weather, all Don't you? So, anyway, um, this homeless man looking for a spot to sleep broke into his final resting place. Apparently, the black ma- in the black mausoleum. It was a fate predicted by famed Scottish poet Robert Louis Stevenson, who referenced Mackenzie in his in his eighteen seventy nine book, Edinburgh Picturesque Notes, writing. When a man's soul is certainly in hell, his body will scarce lie quiet in a tomb however costly. Sometime or other, the door must open, and the reprobate come forth in the abhorred garments of the grave. Well, apparently this is is what's happening now. It's not exactly poetic, is it? (laughs) No, no, I know, I know. But yeah, I get the sentiment. Uh, Anyway... um, this, uh, the Covenanter's Prison is connected to the Greyfire's Kirkyard by a stone gateway and locked metal gate grate near Mackenzie's Mausoleum. It was once a home to an estimated 1,200 unfortunate members of a failed anti-government revolution in 1679. Mm. Uh, conditions at the prison were so brutal that only 257 of the prisoners came out alive. Yeah. Uh, today... Uh, tour purveyors conducting nighttime excursions around the graveyard have reported some mysterious happenings. Many participants have emerged from inside the prison a mausoleum with, get this, bruises, burns, scratches, and even broken bones. Dun dun dun. Yeah, attributed to a long-dead prisoners and their violent oppressor. Um, in two thousand and six, the Scotsman wrote that there had been four hundred and fifty. Documented attacks, 140 people who had collapsed, and even suspicious that the Mackenzie poltergeist was responsible for the death of one local psychic. Mm. In the daylight hours, uh, Greyfriars Kirkyard is a beautiful place for a tranquil uh, stroll, revealing only hints of his bloody past. Uh, Typical of most old cemeteries, eerie, carved out stones of angels and death and ghoulish figures adorn many of the tombstones. But it's the imposing metal grills covering some of the graves that really stand out. Uh, in the early 1800s, the University of Edinburgh's prestigious yeah. medical studies uh, programme flourished. Obviously, yeah, you know, body snatching. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. uh, that's why they put the grates you know, yeah, over stopped, there to stop the old body it, snatching, yeah? Good idea, um, yeah. So, to prevent these entrepreneurs from making off with their loved ones, families would protect the graves by boxing them in a vine cages called mort That ran deep into the ground. But uh, not all the cemetery's legends are so ghoulish. So, end of the day, this is... uh, uh, He says, the cemetery is also just steps from the now landmark Elephant House Cafe, where J.K. Rowling first scribbled the lines of Harry Potter in a window seat overlooking George Heriot's, and uncanny Hogwarts S. School. Among the graves in Greyfriars, Kirkyard is one with a headstone reading... Thomas Riddle, which many fa- which many fans think may have inspired the birth name of Lord of Voldemort, the series villain of Harry Potter. So, okay. what do you think?
0: Interesting. What was that? Um, why did they think it was uh, responsible for the death of that psychic?
1: Well, I mean, I, I did. Uh, I mean, this is, uh, you know, th- this is George Mackenzie. Um, uh, I did some obviously digging on this guy, and he wasn't a very pleasant chap. Mm. What well, did they think? Did it did tell you about there and about the psychic? Yeah, um, I'll just go briefly into this one. Uh, George, they cut. I mean, he was actually nicknamed um, "bloody." you know, for his, obviously for his hands on the blood, uh, whose name was George Bloody Mackenzie. Uh, a Scottish lawyer during the 17th century, Mackenzie was directly responsible for the deaths of around 18,000 of King Charles II's opponents. In fact, many of them were imprisoned inside a section of the Greyfriars k- Kirkyard. Mm. Okay. Now, this delighted Bloody Mackenzie, who loved to see the inmates tortured, starved, and eventually decapitated with their heads placed on the spikes atop the gates that surrounded Greyf- Greyfriars Kirkyard. I'm not surprised, it's bloody haunted. Uh, Fittily enough, Bloody Mackenzie himself was eventually buried in a large imposing tomb inside, inside Greyfriars Kirkyard, uh, directly connected to the stone archway that leads to the Covenanter's prison, where thousands of, of the people he put to death were tortured and eventually killed. He doesn't seem happy about it because, according to countless first-hand experiences, he remains as much uh, the violent, evil maniac in death as he was in life. Uh, over the years, the stories of violent, paranormal activity at Grave Kirkyard have continued to pile up today, with one of the most famous being an, act- an incident that occurred in 1999. A homeless man who had broken into uh, bloody... Uh, George Mackenzie's tomb, to escape the freezing Scottish weather, decided to spend the night in George Mackenzie's coffin. It ended as badly as you might have already guessed. The coffin, which had, hadn't been opened in hundreds of years, crumbled around the man who ran screaming that he had accidentally released the ghost out into the world again. I think it might have been right. Uh, over the last few years alone, 170 people have passed out. Just fainted. Yeah. Okay, during tours of the cemetery, there have been more than 500 visually documented attacks. And through a channeling session, uh, a ghost of Mackenzie himself has claimed this is obviously these, he's claimed through through mediums the responsibility for the death of a local psychic. Uh, many people who visit the grave walk away with burns, bloody noses, and even broken bones. To get the money's worth, uh, the bravest or the stupidest people who visit the grave of George Mackenzie often recite a famous nursery rhyme, <laughs> once said to send the ghost into a rage. Mm. So For- this is like your Candyman, Candyman. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to let you read this lead because uh, I'm not good at Scottish. You're not too bad at now. I'm, I'm rubbish, mate. So anyway, I'll start this right. For those interested in leaving with some broken bones or bruises, the rhyme goes:
0: Okay. <clears throat> It goes,
1: Bloody McKendie, come out and you lift the snake and draw the bar. That's it. <laughs> now, if you can understand that, that's good. Right. Uh, the cemetery is open for tours and guided investigations. However, the guides do make a point to let first timers know that countless people have left blooded and bruised. So be prepared for what can often turn into a very terrifying experience. It seems that even in death... Old bloody Mackenzie still has the full reign of the ancient graveyard, and likes to prove that terrifying and torturing are what he does best. Mm. Very so, yeah, obviously, Very the, the, it is.
0: Uh... But that sidekick that was. Uh... Uh, judged to have been killed by Blinda Mackenzie, it turns out that he'd done some exorcism there, hadn't he? And
1: yeah, and and then six weeks later, he just mysteriously died of a, of a heart attack. attack.
0: Okay, um, so that's so why he, it got linked back to the graveyard, yeah. didn't it? But his own son, who's also an, a medium, uh, Colin Grant. Colin Grant, yeah. He um, he's done some filming there himself, but he he sort of says that he, he don't think of the graveyard, the curse of the graveyard, so it was responsible for his father's death. So uh, leave up for people to decide uh, you know so um, okay poltergeist then so you've heard of you know your bog standard
1: poltergeist yeah the bump, what goes yeah. bump in the night the, the, the farmer the,
0: fa- the ancient farmer which we talked about you know this, this guy who's killed loads of people but have you ever yeah. heard of a poltergeist that takes the what's the word form the form of a weasel hmm Or a mongoose.
1: Well, Well, I I give
0: you the story of Jeff, the talking (laughs) mongoose, also called the Dalby Spook.
1: Um, But it was physical.
0: Absolutely, yep. Okay, so this all takes place back in September 1931, and it involves the Irvine family, which consisted of James, the father, Margaret, the mother... And a 13-year-old daughter at the time, which was called Varery. Uh Vairi? Vairi. I'm going to say Vairi because I, you know. Um, but they heard... It all starts when they hear scratching, rustling and vocal noises coming from the farmhouse wooden walls. Okay. Just to give you a little bit of background on the farm itself, this is, uh, like I say, it's on the Isle of Man... It's an isolated hilltop farmstead, and it's literally a mile away from its nearest neighbors, so it really is isolated yeah so when you were you know knocking on the walls and that kind of stuff it's not you know it's not like you no know, like where i where i live it's the it's the neighbors you know where the music yeah, goes yeah. On, like, yeah, yeah. this this is you know a mile away from anything so the place where it actually takes place is known as the Dawlish Chasm. okay, and uh, the farm owner this james. Known, known Loki as Jim. Right. Jim Irvine. He had been a travelling salesman. Uh, racked up enough money. Decided. Now that was enough. Retired. He thought he'd always wanted to buy a farm. So he buys this farm uh, on this island. But the problem with the farm is, and this is what gives the Poltergeist motive, because when you look at these Poltergeist cases, normally um, they're done for monetary reasons. You know, people pretend they've got a Poltergeist to yeah. make some money. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is the where the the sceptics all say. This is the motive, because the farm really wasn't doing very well at all. Um, it, It's produ- productive, it was dropping, and the family was struggling to make ends meet. So you can see why the sceptics would say... Well, yeah, I can see that. I mean, the farm yeah, itself yeah. had no electricity, no phone, no radio. You know, so it really... Shit, you know? Yeah. But... um. On one dull evening in September, the family heard inexplicable blowing, spitting, and growling noises coming from behind the wooden panel, panel lining in the farmhouse. Uh, Jim obviously first thought it was a rat. Yeah. Because you know, what else would it be? He certainly didn't think it was a mongoose. So um he's, he starts banging on the wall and leaving traps all around the house, poison, but the noises persist over the following days. And the traps just led to no avail. There was nothing being caught in the traps, but he kept hearing his thing. He even resorted in desperation to start barking like a dog, hopefully to try and drive his yeah, yeah. rats where yeah. he thought was in the walls, drive them out. But even that didn't work. And this went on for a few days until... And again, this normally happens in guys, It starts slowly. So a few days of this scratching on the walls and bark, uh, growling and all this, and he starts growling like a dog back. And to his surprise, the whatever was in mm. the walls, growl back at him. Okay? And he said, it, this creature really had a, a talent for mimicking. He said, it didn't matter what he was to do, whether it was an animal sound, you know, like a bird yep. or a cow, this thing would be able to repeat exactly, mimic him back. So then he's thinking, well, you know, obviously this isn't... Yeah, it's not a parrot, is it? You, you know, anyway, it's not... Uh, you know, no. it's not your average... It's not of head it? So it, it? So he's so. getting a bit intrigued by all yeah. this. But he said... It took a a little while, but this creature, whatever it was, he didn't know what it was at the time, he said, it took a little while, but this creature, over time, could start making gurgling sounds like a baby. Hmm. And it was almost like it was trying to form its first words to actually speak, but it it did actually speak. Um, Now, at this time, they didn't have a name for it. And there's actually a newspaper article. Word gets around, and the papers get involved, and that's really what gives this... Story, it's uh, you know, it's a uh, place in history if you like. Is that you know, the tabloids really did focus on this? But at the beginning, the papers were reporting what people were telling them. You know, people that have gone to the the farm at the beginning, they didn't have a name. This Jeff came a lot later on when the the creature started speaking and right. actually told people its name. But at the beginning, they the family themselves give it a name because. When you have something going on, like, oh, you do that, you say, oh, it's Barry again. It's Barry, all yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Well, they actually called it Jack at the beginning. So you've got this paper article here which says, The Dolby spook again. Man who has heard it sing, curse, and dance. Okay. The paper says this is by its own representatives, yeah? It says... It is with some feeling of trepidation I reintroduce what has become known far and wide as a Dolby Spook, or the talking animal of the Doolish Chazan. But the testimony of two visitors who state definitively they have heard and conversed with a strange animal, half mongoose, half weasel, is ample excuse. Uh, They are father and son, friends of long-standing with Mr. and Mrs. Irvine, who, while on the island, determined... To see for themselves, so they hear the story. They go over there, and they really want to see so, this for they themselves. They actually
1: interact with it, do they? Yeah. They, well,
0: you know, they knew the family. You know, they knew the family, so they, they, yeah. when they were pretty shocked like, that they were coming out this sort of stuff, like, so you know, it wasn't in their nature, so so to speak. So They decided to go over there themselves and yeah. check it out. The elder of the two listened for three hours to a conversation between Mister Irvine, and he said this: "This Mister Irvine treats." this creature, like you would a child. You actually, you know, the way he speaks yeah. to it, back and forth, you know, yeah. like you do. And he said, the voices came from the void, which is, again, this panelling, this wood panelling on the on the farm, wall-like. He says, it is to the story of the sun, a bright, intelligent youth of about 18 or 19 years, that I will particularly refer. The desire to cloak their identity, that basically they didn't want to... Re- the people who yeah. you know, didn't want to be known for you know saying this had happened, so they kept their, their thing. But he, the paper does state that they were in a pretty well off hotel, right? Okay, so, he, so he said, yeah, yeah, sort of saying that these people are not, of, you know, not not you know not, not <laughs> nobody's. You know what I mean? These people are of, of wealth. Yeah. So obviously they didn't want to disclose the name. He said the young man said I went to the Irvine's house about six thirty last night. And on entering the house, I was greeted with a hello, Arthur, in a high-pitched voice. Hello, Arthur! <laughs> he said, Mr. Avine said, I had told Jack, the, the name yeah. I'd given at the time, that you was coming. At first, he said it was friendly, repeating in a parrot fashion, good old Arthur, good old Arthur, you're a great lad, you're a great lad. And so on. We could have had a parrot. Yeah. Have have had a parrot. Saying, Which, it might have been. Yeah, might have been, yeah. He said, but then, he said it took a, a turn. A ter- I actually started cursing him. He said, I was never so cursed in my life. The animals sang a Scottish dialect song, uh, and when the gramophone was on, he said it would beat loudly on the boards of the ceiling in rhythm, would have tuned, yeah. like it knew the tune. He said, about nine o'clock, it said, I am going over to Kelly's. This is a nearby... This is another farm. Not nearby, a mile away. And he said to hear what they have to say, and vanished. And mm. that comes into play later on, because sceptics tried to say, because there was a 13-year-old girl involved, and again with Poltergeist cases, a lot of that goes on. Yep. You get an adolescent teenager, and it sort of perpetuates it. So, yep. obviously, sceptics who got involved in this said it must be the daughter causing this virus, must be to do with her. But the problem you've got is that this creature could go to neighbouring farms, like he said there, going to Kelly's farm and listen to what they had to say, and then it come back and tell the family yep. what it had just heard the gossip, if you like, from this particular farm. And now, you may be wondering... Okay, why a mongoose? Okay, well, uh, yeah. because you know, this is the Isle of Man, Um yeah. but it, it turns out that a neighboring farm did actually import mongo- mongooses, mongoose, mongoose, what do you call them, to the island uh, about 20 years before the family got to the island, hoping to curb the local rabbit population. Ah, right, okay, yeah. So there were mongooses now. When uh, Valerie re- was first to report, she was the first person to see um, Jeff, yep. And she called it, she said it looked like a weasel to her. Um, she does give a description of it later on. But um, obviously, the people knowing the island and that, they said, you know, it must be a mongoose, what she's saying. So that's where it gets the mongoose yeah. uh, moniker from then. So it becomes known as Jeff the Mongoose. Now, well, it says that in an experiment, experiment, Vary asked the creature to repeat some nursery rhymes. Okay, and it did. But it said it started in a very squeaky voice. But soon began to speak more freely, almost like it was building its voice up. Right, um, okay. You know, to to learn English. Now, reportedly, it was able to speak a few other languages as well, one of them being Spanish. So, again, you know, when they're saying this is a 13 year old girl, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that, that ties out, doesn't it? You think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, and this is the point where it introduces itself Mm -hmm. as Jeff. Okay, and that's G E F, Jeff. And he, he, it says, he claimed that he was an extra, extra clever mongoose. He born in Delhi, India, in eighteen fifty two. So this is like a reincarnation. Yep. Um, now it does turn out that in India they do have a belief that you can actually teach a mongoose to speak. Right. Okay. So that, I don't know where that ties in with all this, but it's funny that he says he's from India, yep. you know, Delhi in India, and and you know, so it's, it could be talking about some sort of reincarnation almost here. Okay. Now. Jeff was holding regular conversations with the family, particularly Valerie and the father. It most, you know, was drawn to them. Uh, less friendly, but it was also less friendly towards the mother Margaret. I don't know why, he just seemed to just not like her. <laughs> okay, and it, they said it began nesting in a box petition in Valerie's room, which the family dubbed Jeff's sanctuary. And again, you know, like I say, it was talking on a regular basis. Uh, this The first person to... Um, see a full-on view of him was Varry herself. Now, the family, uh, Jim and Margaret, both saw glimpses of it every now okay. and again. So they did see it. It wasn't like, you know, she was the only one seeing it. They did see it, but not full-on. They did just see it like fleeting, uh, you know, yeah, right. really past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, But Varie, when asked by the family what she'd seen, mm. she said it, it was about the size of a rat with yellowish fur, a flat snout like a hedgehog, and a bushy tail, right. okay? So, yep. again, you know, she's not really seen a mongoose, so pretty close, isn't mm. it? I mean, mongooses have, like, brown and, uh, like, a yellow streak on the fur, but she's a uh, yellowish fur. but, you know, you can go along with that. It really started talking at this point, and there's a few interesting things that it said, okay? It said, I mean, l- listen to this. Obviously, it says, that I'm an extra, extra clever mongoose. Mm. And it did actually say at one point, it said, if you knew what I knew... You'd know a hell of a lot, okay, um, and also when presented with a picture of itself, uh, and this picture I'll put on the paranormal Hangout for those who want to see yep. it. Um, it it said that ain't me. It looks more like a llama, and actually it doesn't like a mongoose picture, yeah. but but you could see, you know what I mean. So, and again they said, oh, this this girl was it's some sort of ventriloquism act, you know, she's doing. But there's a number of things in here that, if true. I don't know how it can be here because Mm. some of the things happen while she's inside the house, they're happening on the outside of the house, things like that. And again, we're not near any neighbours or a mile away from people. Okay, so some of the other things that it said that I I don't want to gloss over because they're really interesting. I mean, again, coming from a... Again, allegedly coming from this... Allegedly, yeah. But but he says... So he says, I'm a clever mongoose." He says, I'm an earthbound spirit... Okay, which ties it back into the Indian thing again.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, are we... Are India. we what were you we saying earlier? Are we saying like a, a kind of spirits, kind of possessed a mongoose? It does seem that way, because he says that himself. He says, I'm a ghost in the form of a mongoose. Yeah, okay, that, you know. he
0: says, I am a freak. I have hands. I have feet. And if you saw me, you'd faint. You'd be petrified, mummified, turned
1: into a stone or a pillar of salt. Right, okay. Okay, so he... You know what I mean? Now, we know that mediums, or some good mediums, can channel spirit. Yeah. So, so they'll use their voice box to send whatever message they've got. And this... this. So what you're saying is, this spirit's coming... <laughs>
0: I mean, he says that, doesn't he? He
1: says, I yeah. am a ghost in the form of mongoose. So he's really
0: saying that he used to be this person who lived right. in Delhi, you know, uh, and for whatever reason, he's been reincarnated or whatever, yep. as a mongoose. And just so happens that he was on this island. But the family said that they felt like he was some sort of guardian, um, not Margaret, because the mother had a really sort of off and on relationship with Jeff, to be fair, but the rest of the family, the father and daughter, they um, felt like he was a guardian. And sometimes right. he'd warn them of uh, anyone that approached the farm, okay. particularly unfamiliar dogs. He was really wary of dogs. And um, <laughs> so, was, you know, so he'd obviously report that. Jeff soon became one of the family. During the day, he would roam the island riding on the back axle of the bush. The buses on cars, and even one and even in the evening he would return home and share his news and gossip he picked up on his travels. Sometimes he would also read out items from the local newspaper. When he grew tired of chat he would call out vanished and make himself scarce. <laughs> it announces in a presence by calling either myself or my wife by our Christian names, mister Irvine wrote. Its hearing powers are phenomenal. It is no use whispering. It detects the whisper 15 to 20 feet away, tells you that you are whispering, and mm. repeats exactly what you've just said. So again, you know, when I say there's a lot of things in this that I don't think this is the little girl. Well, obviously, obviously the,
1: the mongoose itself, the them, the, them animals have got... You know, superior yeah, hearing, it must have, you know, yeah. obviously.
0: Jeff would often bring rabbits home for Margaret to cook that he apparently strangled with his forepaws. In return, he was given titbits such as biscuits, sweets and chocolate. He would also, he was also fond of bacon and sausages. The food would be left out for him on the crossbeam near the ceiling and would sneak out and snatch it when no one was looking. So again, you know, You know, Crossbeam, you know, is high in it. So, again, you know, he also enjoyed singing. Okay. Jeff enjoyed singing as much as talking. His favourite tune was Carolina Moon. Carolina Moon? Do you know that? No. He does. He says, uh, You sing it good. (laughs) Well, he must do. (laughs) Which he would uh, sing along with a gramophone. Sometimes he would bounce a rubber ball up and down in the time to the music. So he's beating along this yep. little ball too. I don't know why, but he is. He could also sing a Manx tradi- national anthem, several hymns, and some fragments of a Spanish folklore song. And again, you know, this is meant to be this 13-year-old girl. I know I yep. keep saying that, but... it says, On one occasion, he rather offended Vary's mother, Margaret by singing a lewd parody of Home on the Range he picked up from the bus driver. Again, this is where he says he's travelling around the, yeah. the town on he's the buses. To all the so he's listening to what's yeah. going yeah. on. So he's here, there and everywhere, you know? Margaret said, You know Jeff, you're no animal. So she's really getting mad with Ooh. him like and again I say they have an off on relationship, Margaret and, and Jeff. And he said, Of course not I'm the Holy Ghost <laughs> So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um it's, it said that he would often come across gentle and all that, mm. but then all of a sudden just fly into a range for no apparent reason. There was one time when Jim was sat down and, in Jeff's opinion, he was taking too long to open the morning post, so Jeff shouted out, Read it, you fat-headed gnome! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. You know what I
1: mean? I've got my shovel out. Where's the bastard?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that comes you into know, play a bit later, right? Yeah, actually?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, obviously, you know what I mean, yeah. so...
0: But, um, yeah, so Farah would get uh, scared on the night time, sleeping alone in the bedroom, because a lot of the things were going on there. So yep. she'd often jump into uh, a mum and dad's bed. And Jim would say that we'd barricade the door, but he said it was no use. He said you could see the the door bulging at the top, like some tremendous forces on it. Um, and on the outside, you'd hear this voice saying, I'll follow her wherever you put her. He also said, I'm coming in. You know when they said, "Go yeah. away," you know, leave her alone. And he said, "I'm coming in," and he said that at one one stage. This so this is going on outside the door, but yep. inside the room, uh, an ointment pot threw across the room and smashed on the wall. There's other occasions where, again, you know, stuff's happening outside the house. Um, there was this um occasion where Margaret found herself being pelted with stones when she walked home. She actually asked, "Is this you, Jeff?" And he said, yes, Maggie, the witch, the woman, the Zulu woman, the Honolulu woman. You know, so he obviously doesn't like it. So i wonder if this is... You know where people say these reincarnation and you get these souls that have met before, this yep. kind of thing? Yep. I'm wondering if there's something like that going on where Maggie doesn't quite know this is... Um, you know, that they've met before, but yeah. it does seem like he's got some sort of vendetta against her. So, you know, I could be reading too much into this, but... or family member, maybe. But well, this again, but this this is happening to the mother alone. Yeah. So this is the daughter, and, you know, uh, there's nowhere to be seen at this point. He said he would also delight in throwing pebbles and sand up at the windows from outside, sometimes late into the night. So he's just chucking stones at the window while they're all in, they're all in bed and they're all together. Um, and when asked about this, why he made himself such a nuisance, he would just say, I did it for Yeah. You know. Yeah. So eventually there was a book wrote about it Okay, and this seemed to be enough for the family at that point. You know, the 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 book got published in 1936 shortly after they left the island. Yep. Um, But they did say that the 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 curious thing is this creature never never followed them. Mm. Okay, but it never showed itself to the new owners again and again. And this happens in Poltergeist cases a lot of the time, where the family move on and they expect the house to be haunted, and it just doesn't happen that way. Yeah, this guy who took over was called Mr Graham. But intriguingly, in 1947, 1947 yeah, Graham trapped and killed a strange looking animal that seemed to be neither ferret, stout, stout, or weasel. It said it answered to all descriptions. So yeah. you could say, Is it a weasel? They say, Well, yeah, it looks a bit like a weasel. Is it a stout? Well, it looks a bit like a stout. Is it you know Yeah. yeah. Um so he did trap and kill something. But he did say that it would uh, the one that he trapped was of uh, black and white fear, and again if you the the early reports of what Barry said is that he had yellowish brownish fear right, so people say, well, I don't think it's the same animal, but nothing happened to him after that after he killed that creature so who knows in nineteen seventy a reporter from fate magazine managed to track down Barry and, and get him for an interview okay and she was said to said that you know these child experiences were real. She was reluctant to discuss it, really. She didn't really want to... It's almost like she thought she'd bring it on herself yeah she talked about it too much. But she did say, yes, there was a little animal who talked to me and did those things, she admitted. She said, it was a mongoose. We all called him Jeff, but I do not... I do wish he had let us alone.
1: Ooh. Obviously, i are talking uh, a poltergeist That's, uh took form of a mongoose or yeah. a, a stoat or a and weasel. I,
0: and I did read another...
1: um, um. That
0: was 1970, but there was another person. That, I think she died. yeah, she died in 2005, Ari. But right up to the end, there was. A, I mean, there was an interview with a conducted almost towards the right. end, and right up to the end, she was still saying that it was it was true. This was all true. Um, so no death, con- deathbed confession where she. she, yours, she that's
1: says, a, that's yeah. a crap.
0: Yeah. Man. So um, that's the story of Jeff yeah. the mongoose slash weasel. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we'll I mean, where do you start, or something like
1: that? No, it's uh, you know, but is it possible though? You know, you get you get you get normal poltergeist uh, activities, and you know, get the things that go bump in the night, but something to take over a form, or maybe look the form of a weasel, mm. Not actually be a weasel, but maybe take the form of it. You know, well,
0: that, I mean, that's I mean, you, the, got, you get shapeshifters. Yeah, anyway, that's don't the, you? that's the way it looks. It, I yeah. mean, to me. With the India India connection, with him saying you know he was from Delhi yeah. uh, in 1852, um, a lot of reincarnation goes yeah, on yeah. in that country, yeah.
1: and I don't know whether it's just... shapeshifted a, as well over there. Yeah, well I don't know whether it's same.
0: a and these earthbound spirits, these they have air spirits, uh, mm. that, you know, spirits that live in the forest and stuff. And and to me, it really feels like a, a case of reincarnation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, this particular creature could. Um, I mean, but then you got the name Jeff, so that's not exactly an Indian name, so I don't know where that fits mm. into it but maybe they called it Jeff. They call it Jack. Was it Jack? Yeah, he awesome. named himself Jeff Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know where it all fits together, but
1: maybe you suited him for something it's, else.
0: It's certainly something strange. Yeah, definitely strange. Oh definitely um, Oh yeah. And to me it feels true.
1: Yeah. Um you know, obviously. I mean
0: again, if, you know, she's talking about a mongoose oh, he's took the form of a mongoose like you know, whatever. Um and there is mongoose on the island, so it's not like you know, that's you know, that ties to that's right, yeah.
1: you know. Um I don't know. So we, we but I will put the island.
0: picture up and that so people can yeah. see. There's a guy who's wrote a book on it called uh how would you say that name? Christopher Yos Yosif, Yosif Joseph Joseph Christopher
1: Joseph's yeah, Christopher yeah. yeah, Christopher Josephs.
0: Something like that, isn't it? Well, yeah. he's wrote a book on it called Jeff, yeah. which tells the full story of this. Uh, if yeah. anybody's intrigued by what they've heard today, then yeah. that maybe you want to pick up that book. Uh, like I say, it's just called Jeff. G-E-F, that's what it's spelled. But that's the case of Jeff, and that's the, the guy. So,
1: I don't know, Should we summarise this at all? Yeah, or? well, uh, obviously, the Greyfriars is just amazing. Yeah. this George... Bullarded Mackenzie. Yeah, he was a. Definitely was an assassin. He was, well, I mean, he was actually, he was, a, he was a member of parliament, right? So he was in, he's held in high esteem, right? Remember, that? and you know, and he was a judge as well. Mm. Is it a the, lawyer, a judge, a high a judge. Sadist. A saviour. So, yeah, he obviously, he abused his powers yeah, so Absolutely. You know, but you get it. You know, the guy there says, right, you know, blah blah he's done this, right? Kill him. And then. You know, a few hours he was there in the place yeah, watching, being tortured. Yeah. Yes, like yeah. it turned him on. You know, yeah. like he got a buzz out of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's it's, it's, it's and well documented. Those people that he, it's well documented as well.
0: A lot of those people he had executed. He just he didn't need evidence, did he? He just he just basically was him die. He, he was he was already gonna find him guilty, whatever, yeah. whatever. So he, you he know. was he was a proper bastard. Oh right, and and he, so he, so, he, so and it almost looks like you can. People say this, don't they? Your personality in life is what you take over when you yeah, die. You know? Yes,
1: absolutely. And obviously, you know, with him, it, it, it seems that way, doesn't it? When he comes to the... Um, well, I, I love the saying: if you if you're a dimwit in this life, you're going to be a, a dimwit in the next. Yeah. It doesn't change your personality, you know. If you're a bastard so, uh, in this life, you're going to be a, an evil getting in the next life. So,
0: <laughs> so on that note, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, have a good week. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll see you here next week. We've got a show going up on Patreon. Yeah, uh, soon rather than later. If you, if you if you want to find out more about Patreon, go to the website. I don't want to bore you with it here. We've got a couple of new t shirt designs coming online. Yep, very hopefully soon. within the week. Yep. Uh, one more for the ladies because the t shirt design we've got at the moment, a lot of ladies are saying uh, to it's me. It's too that, much. It, yeah, it's too much for, yeah. for a So we've well, so, we'll we'll got a t shirt that's just
1: basic. Yeah, yeah, so we've
0: got a couple of designs uh, for ladies in, in that respect. And then obviously, if you want to get involved in the. Um, t-shirt competition if them t-shirts are up by the end of the competition time we'll will you'll we'll give you the choice of what t-shirt yep. you want um so there'll be three or four to choose from so if you've not already en- uh, get entries into the t-shirt competition all you have got to do is pick your six countries that you think listen to the podcast the most in any particular order and the one who gets the closest wins the prize wins. that's it uh, easy as that as easy as that yep so uh, just email us it's podcast. we your six countries we've had a few entries like I say at the beginning of, um, need speaking more to Brian some and more yep so uh, have a good week yep and uh, thank you for listening be careful out there
1: yeah